We are going through this book of Acts because it's really a continuation of the Gospel of Matthew that we were looking at uh, as we started the year. Life with Jesus, what did that look like? We followed the disciples around to see that, and now we're doing life with the Spirit, this same Spirit that empowered the ministry of Jesus. Jesus said, I am giving to you, go to Jerusalem, and he will come. And so we read that story last week. Acts chapter 2 is that story of the, the, the Spirit coming and filling the church. And we heard about some of those amazing things happen. And Acts 3 is what we're looking at today, and the majority of chapter 4, verse 31, is where we'll stop. As I said, if you haven't read it, when you leave today, you can read that whole thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you this morning, but it is one story. Acts 3, 1 to 4, 31 is one story about Peter and John, a couple of guys who did life with Jesus, but now something happened to them because they did life with Jesus, and we're going to see what that something is. But since chapter 2, since Pentecost, the Jesus story, which they are now bearing witness to, it's becoming their own story, and now the, the Peter and John story is infused with the Spirit. And when that happens, God does some amazing things. Chapter 3 tells us one of those amazing things. When we left off with the disciples, they had just, Peter was just preaching a message on Pentecost, and we read that 3,000 people gave their life to Christ that day in the neighborhood of 3,000 people. Verse 42 of, of chapter 2, if you don't have the Bible open, it's right here on the screen, but it's kind of a summary of what has taken place thus far in the early beginnings of life with the Spirit, the story about the church. It says they, these believers, these followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the, the very things that Peter was talking about in chapter 2, they are devoting themselves to the Jesus story, which, yes, includes the Old Testament. As we heard Peter start quoting all kinds of stuff from the Old Testament, he'll do it again in chapter 3. But all of that is finding its fulfillment in the Jesus story. So they're surrounding themselves, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, gathering together. That's an important piece of this community of faith. To the breaking of bread, which probably is a reference to the Lord's Supper, communion, and to prayer. And they're gathering together to do this. And it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So they must have been doing some amazing things. And we're going to read about one of them in chapter 3. All the believers were together and had everything in common. There was this sense of unity around this Jesus story that apparently was inspiring. They even, it says, sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So somebody came to church that day and they had some kind of need and people were selling stuff just to be able to help another brother or sister out. And this must have been pretty powerful because every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. People were seeing this. These Jesus people, they were watching this. And apparently, the result of living out the Jesus story 
infused by the Spirit, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, those who were giving their life to Christ and saying, I'm going to be a part of this story. And now the Jesus story kind of encompasses my story, and I begin to live out a different kind of story. It's still Ted's story, but now it's infused by the Spirit. And so I start living and trying to live the way Jesus lived. And so that must be what's taking place here. And these amazing things are happening, are taking place in Jerusalem. I think I showed this slide last week. We're still there. We haven't left Jerusalem yet in chapter 3. We're camped out in that little small circle. Eventually, by the Acts 28, we're going to get to Rome, but we're not there yet. The church at this point, these are primarily Jews all gathering together, hanging out together, doing the, the Jesus thing. And now we're going to read about a story about a guy that hung out with Jesus a lot, Peter and John, both. And this is the cliff notes. This is what happens in the story. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but chapter 3, verse 1 to chapter 4, verse 31, this is what takes place. We witness a healing. Peter tells everybody what they just saw. Peter and John are challenged by the religious leaders, and they explain to them how they were able to do what they just did. And then the Holy Spirit, again, is just affirming what is happening in that song, Souls on Fire, is what is taking place with these people. They are just on fire for Jesus. And God is just moving and doing amazing things within the story of the church. So chapter 3, verse 1, begins the Peter and John story, except this time their story is infused by the Holy Spirit. So now the, the Jesus story kind of lays over top of theirs. And their story becomes a part of what God is actually doing through the person of Christ. Because they've given their lives to Jesus. And so in verse 1 of chapter 3, Peter and John are doing something that they normally did, and that was go to the temple courts. They still met at the temple. They still did some of their Jewish things. They, you went to the temple as a Jew, and that, that's what they were doing. Except in different places in the courts, they would meet together and do the things I just read for you. Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and prayer and fellowship and that's what they were doing. So they're on their way up to the temple courts, and they're stopped by a guy who is lame. He cannot walk. And every day, somebody, I don't know who, the Bible doesn't tell us who, somebody brings this guy to the temple because one of the signs that you were a devout Jew is that you gave to poor people. You gave to the temple, and you gave to the needy. And so if that was, if you were really devout, this guy who can't walk is like, I might be able to make some money there. I might be able to provide if I go there. So somebody takes him there. It appears that everybody knows who he is. Luke even tells us he's about 40 years old. This isn't like this just happened today. This is the first time he was there. He probably had a name. He probably had a reputation. And he may have been one of those guys where you just kind of walk over this way a little bit more so you don't get because you don't want to keep giving him money. He was known. So Peter and John are walking up, and this guy meets them. And I don't know if it's the first time, if it's the hundredth time, Scripture doesn't tell us. But he's expecting to receive something, because Peter and John start talking to him. 
And Peter gets this guy's attention. And now in verse 43 that I just read for you tells us that the disciples, the church was doing all kinds of amazing things. Awe-inspiring kinds of things. Signs and wonders performed by the apostles. And in chapter 3, we're about to see that actually take place. Peter and John walk up to the temple courts. They're met by this guy who cannot walk. But this time, when John and Peter meet him, I, like I said, I don't know if they met him a hundred times or not. This time, and Peter meet him. Their story is now infused by the Holy Spirit. This time, maybe it was the hundredth. I doubt it was the first. These guys went to the temple a lot. This time, the interaction between the two of them, or the three of them, is different. This time, it's empowered by the Spirit. So then Peter said, because he got the guy's attention, this guy thinks, I'm going to get something. You know, I'm begging here. I'm going to get something. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter takes him by the hand, helped him up, and instantly, this is chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, the man's feet and ankles become strong, and he is walking. Now, I would think this is creating quite a stir. And so the, the Peter and John story is not even really about Peter and John and saying, hey, look how great and wonderful we are. They're actually pointing this guy and everybody else to Jesus, to this Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus of Nazareth that has the power still. Jesus is gone. He's ascended. You read that story. Still, Jesus has the power to make lame people walk again. Except this time, he's using regular people, like Peter and John. And so this man gets up, and he starts walking, and I'm sure he was clapping, singing, dancing. I don't know what he was doing, but it was creating quite a stir. And so a crowd gathers around to see what's just happened. Remember, they're at the temple courts. So Peter, not wanting to, you know, give up the opportunity of a good crowd that gathers to start preaching, he tells everybody what they've just witnessed. And he goes on to, again, start back at the Old Testament. This is in chapter 3, verse 11 is where it starts. But he starts telling the Jesus story. And he starts with Abraham. He goes back to the Old Testament and he says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Everything that God has been doing. Since you started reading about your father Abraham, he has fulfilled in this person, Jesus. And he goes on to tell them who this Jesus is. Now, if you're giving a message... And you don't want to offend people or hurt people or make people feel uncomfortable. You don't use the pronoun you. Because this is what, now this is the crowd. They're all listening to Peter. And this is what he says. You handed him over to be killed. Now you're listening, pretend you're in this crowd. And Peter's talking to you. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, even though Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. 
You killed the author of life. Now, this I don't know why Peter's saying it the way he is. Like, I'm surprised they didn't stone Peter right there. But God raised him from the dead. And we, me and my friend John here, are simply bearing witness to this truth, this reality that is so real, it can get this guy who can't walk to stand up and walk again. That's how real this story is that we're telling you. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, was made strong. You've seen him every day, crippled, laying at the temple courts. But this Jesus, though he is ascended, still has the power on earth to make him walk again. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. See, the Peter and John story is really about Jesus. Because now Peter's life is all about the Jesus story. Now John's life is all about the Jesus story. And this Jesus still has the power because the resurrection happened to raise people who were lame to walk again. So this, obviously, I mean, Peter was saying you quite a bit. And maybe he was pointing, you're never supposed to do this, point your finger at people. You killed the author of life. I mean, that to me is like a big one. So they get arrested. So now Peter and John are arrested. Even though they just healed this guy and they're brought before the Sanhedrin, the religious elite, the important people, the smart people, the intelligent people, the people that knew everything about the scriptures. The people that really held most of the power in Jerusalem at this time. The kind of people and they walk through town, everybody knew who that was. They usually had a lot of money. They had notoriety within town. They possessed all the power. They were the ones that went to school to be able to teach the scriptures. These were the important people. And so now they were angry with Peter and John. They tossed them into jail. And then when they pull them out of jail, that's uh, in chapter 4, Peter and John are making their case to the Sanhedrin. That was the name that was given to them. And the problem that they had was that they were claiming, Peter and John, that this Jesus actually rose from the dead, was resurrected. Now, the dilemma that they were in is that everybody was excited about this. They were all really happy, joyful, praising God that they'd seen something amazing. And so how were they going to deal with Peter and John? So now they're talking to them. They're threatening them. Uh, they're telling them to shut up about this Jesus. And that story is in chapter 4, begins at verse 1, and goes through to um, verse 22. You can read that story for yourself. But in that story, something, verse 13, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, really is impactful to me. I, I didn't always read chapter 4, verse 13 this way. I'm trying to remember how many years ago I did start reading it this way. But it's actually one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. In all the scriptures in the Bible, this is one of my favorite verses. And there's nothing super amazing about this verse, really. 
It's just concluding what's just taken place in Peter and John's life. And what we're reading here, as you know, we're talking about the most important, powerful people in Peter and John's day. And they can't quite grasp what's taking place. And they're threatening them. You know, these guys could do anything they want to Peter and John. They just got an innocent man killed, Jesus. Peter and John saw that. Yet they wouldn't shut up about it. And so the Sanhedrin, these religious elite, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary. Now, you know, we just read across that unschooled. Okay, they didn't go to seminary. Maybe they didn't have a doctorate. Uh, maybe they didn't have a four-year degree. And we just look at that word ordinary and don't make a big deal about it. Remember, these guys are fishermen. Have you ever seen The Deadliest Catch? Have anybody ever watched that show, The Deadliest Catch? Yeah. You've seen those guys? <laughs> okay. That's what these guys were. They were fishermen. I know all the videos and movies we watch kind of clean them up and they're like, they look clean and probably smell nice. I don't know that these guys did. They were fishermen. And we know because of chapter two, they spoke kind of funny. People knew they were from Galilee. They didn't have any training. They didn't go to the best schools to be able to teach the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have all the important teachers that you're supposed to have when you're getting ready to stand up in front of the crowd in the temple courts and starts preaching. These guys were nobody. They were simply ordinary. There was nothing that would tell you there was something special about them. But these religious leaders when they realized that Peter and John were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. It blew their minds. That's probably how I would translate that. Their minds exploded. They can't figure out how they just did what they did. They can't figure out how all these people are giving their lives to Jesus, to this guy who's claimed, and they claim, to have risen from the dead. The only thing that they can deduce from all this. You know, they get together, they have their little huddle, and they're trying to explain all that they're hearing and all that they've witnessed. The only thing that they can figure out is that those two guys had been with Jesus. That's it. That's pretty powerful. Apparently that's all it takes. Jesus and John are... Peter and John just told that guy to get up and walk. That's unexplainable to them. How is this possible? This is really bothering them. It is blowing their mind. And all that they can figure out is that these two backward fishermen had been with Jesus. That's a powerful verse for all of us, unschooled, ordinary people. God did something amazing through these two guys. And the way that this story...
story about what just happened ends is Peter and John are released from prison after all that they can come up with. Those two guys spent time with Jesus. That's all we can come up with after. And they're scared of the people because everybody's excited about what just happened. So they can't do anything bad to, to John and to Peter. And so they threaten them and they warn them and they probably say, you know, you keep doing this. Maybe we'll kill you. I don't know. They did it before. Peter and John go back to all the other brothers and sisters, to the community of faith, the followers of Jesus, and they pray. And they thank God for the privilege of being thrown into jail for Jesus. And they say, now, Lord, consider their threats. We've heard it, God. This is Peter saying this. We've heard it. They threatened us. And what we want from you, God, is to enable your servants, all of these Christians gathered together, to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The Spirit is, this is what it means when you're on fire for Jesus. Crazy stuff like this happens all the time. We just don't ever think it does for us. Maybe you're like Peter and John could have been. I'm unschooled. I didn't go to a Bible college. In fact, there's a lot of stuff in this Bible that confuses me. Well, Peter and John walked around with Jesus and they were confused. They didn't get it completely. You think Peter had it all together? Just keep reading through Acts. In Acts 15, there's like this moment where we're not sure what's going to happen with the church because there's an argument. They didn't get it all the time. When Peter stood up and started preaching, it wasn't like he had it all figured out. He was still the unschooled dude that he started walking with Jesus. He was still the fisherman. Well, Ted, I, I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. I don't know that, you know, I'm all that intelligent. Join the club. Neither am I. I'm really not that bright. I feel inadequate. I read some of this stuff. I listen to other preachers, people in here share stuff with me. I'm like, man, you're kind of blowing my mind. I, I didn't even kind of think about it in that way. And when you have access to the internet, I can get a podcast. I can listen to a message all day long. And there's a lot better preachers out there than me. Just so you know, the only person that doesn't think that is my mom. Hey mom, she's watching at home. I'm sure that's the only person I know doesn't think that. I don't know. Jess hasn't told me yet what she thinks. God, how can you use me? I, I'm not like one of those famous guys. I don't have tons of followers. I don't have a million people watching our live stream. Maybe you felt that way. I don't have tons of Bible knowledge. I don't, never went to school. Neither did they. Maybe you're thinking, but yeah, you don't actually realize, Ted, my past. You don't know where I came from. You don't know the things that I've done. Okay, well, read Acts chapter 9. We're going to get to that story. His name's Paul. Maybe you've heard of him. 
We get to see all of his blemishes and black marks. And by the end of the book of Acts, Paul's the greatest missionary the church has ever known. So apparently it's not all of your past. Because apparently Jesus can even use that and transform that. Well, yeah, that's great, Ted. I know that God forgives me for that, but... You know, you, you don't know what life is like for me right now. I just don't have it all together. And things are kind of tough. I think I'm making quite a few mistakes. I, I feel like I'm going back to God again and again about the same thing. Have you ever read about Peter? I bet you have friends that you wouldn't turn your back on. Like, you probably have some friends that, you know, I'd stand up for you. Well, Peter had an opportunity to do that. And he said, I don't even know that guy. Something changed in these guys. And all that the religious leaders could figure out is, those guys had been with Jesus. The Jesus story, when we embrace it in our own lives, our story becomes infused by the power of the Spirit, and Peter and John are doing some amazing things, not because they were famous, not because they were powerful, not because they were wealthy. In fact, they were unschooled, ordinary yahoos from backwater Galilee. And you keep reading the story, and God turns the world upside down. Now, maybe you're saying, hey, Ted, I've never seen a miracle. I've never seen somebody get healed. Like the lame dude that was walking or couldn't walk and Peter goes there and heals him and he gets up and he starts walking. I've never seen that. Okay. I want to suggest that it's just as hard, maybe even harder, for that dad, that mom, who is drinking way too much, who cares very little about their family, their family's about to fall apart because of the decisions they're making. Imagine what happens when that person meets Jesus. Like we make miracles to sound like it's got to be some blind person seeing, some lame person walking, some deaf person hearing. And I want to suggest to you that the miracles that I'm praying for have to do with your families and the families in this county. Young men and women thinking the best answer is to commit suicide. There is some deep brokenness in there that the Jesus story, when they're introduced to it, a miracle happens and their whole life changes. I was just introduced to that real life story. Sometimes you forget that they happen. A few of us went to a Casting Crowns concert on Thursday and the opener for Casting Crowns, his name is, is Ben Fuller. Maybe you've never heard of him. I never did before that concert. But he shared his story on stage. And it was pretty dark and bleak. And if you read his whole album, it is pretty dark and bleak. But something happened. Now, he was a farmer from Vermont. There's nothing that was said he was highly educated. He was unschooled and he was ordinary. But on that stage, what what all of us saw, that dude had met with Jesus. He met Jesus, and he is different today because of that. And it was some dark, horrible stuff 
that it was going to take a miracle to turn his life around. That is what we need. That is what the spirit wants to do now and here, and he can do it through you. If you're unschooled and ordinary and you think yourself that way, if you got a past and that past might start like when you got up this morning with the kids, guess what? God can use you. The spirit wants to use you to do some amazing things. And I'm not just saying this because I want a big rally speech. I'm saying this because I believe that is actually true. And as you all know, I'm saying it from experience. I could parade some people up here for you too that said, yeah, I, I know Ted. That Ted, something happened to that guy. The only thing we can conclude, he met Jesus. And this simple story about this Jesus did something so profound and so powerful, it's changed him forever. If you don't think that can happen in your family, in your own life, then you're, we're not talking about the same Jesus. We're not talking about the same spirit. Because there are some big problems within our culture right now that it's going to take a miracle to turn around. And fortunately, we serve a God who does that all the time. And maybe that's your family. There are a lot of broken and busted up families. And the miracle that needs to happen is you just need to stop drinking so much. You just need to be, stop being angry so much. But some of us are in families that are like, it's going to take a miracle from God to make that person do that. Maybe it does. But the spirit within you has that power. When you convey this Jesus story, whether you're talking to this person or the way it's, you're living your life, this spirit can transform things. And we as the church have got to get on board with this soul that is on fire and believe the kind of stuff that God can do. And Peter and John's story is not all that different than ours. They were some backwater fishermen. That the only thing that people can conclude about them is they met with Jesus. You can do that in someone else's life. I'm closing this with this story because not that I'm making a commentary on the consumption of alcohol, but I want to use this as an example of what the church did back in the early 1900s. There was something called the 18th Amendment. Any history buffs out there that know what the 18th Amendment is? Prohibition. How many of you remember Prohibition? <laughs> Oscar, he's the oldest guy here, I guess. I don't know. Some of you maybe were alive, don't admit it, that's okay. Prohibition. Alcohol was made illegal. It was a, the Constitution was ratified. You know who did that? Churches. Now, I'm not saying whether it was right or wrong, or if it was a good idea or a bad idea. What I'm saying is, the church got behind something that they saw was a problem in society, and the Constitution of the United States of America was changed because of it. That just, when I started thinking about that, that just blew my mind. 
That was just people. It was regular people. And a lot of angry moms and grandmas. So they were a part of getting prohibition into the Constitution. Now, as we all know, the 21st Amendment came along <laughs> and reversed the 18th Amendment. My story is not about that. My story, and that using that story, is it amazed me what happened when the church decided to do something. Now, we've got just as big of problems within our county, within some of our families. Now, imagine if we believed the church could do that again. Imagine if we believe that we are, all of us ordinary, unschooled people. If you thought of yourself like that, there's good news. God can do some pretty extraordinary things through you. Some of you have told me those stories of how God has used you in other people's lives to do extraordinary things. And extraordinary things doesn't equal going on a missionary journey like Paul did. It could. It doesn't have to. Extraordinary things can be you changing your neighbor's life who is dying of cancer and came to meet Jesus because you kept going over there, praying for them, taking meals to them. That person's life was changed. You did an extraordinary thing. That's the kind of God we serve. And that God loves, loves. We're going to hear about it all through Acts. Loves using unschooled, ordinary people to do extraordinary things. What's going to change our culture, maybe our town, maybe your family? It's not voting for the right politician. It's not passing this new law. All those things can help, yes. It's going to be the church taking the Jesus story, infused by the Spirit that becomes our story, and going out there and sharing it and living it. There are people out there that need to hear it. There are families in your life, there are neighbors that you know, that need something or someone extraordinary to come into their life. You're just that person to do it. You know God wants to use you to do it? And when we start doing that, when that soul is on fire, it's kind of like and related to a, a wildfire. It, we've had them in the West. They, they can't be stopped. These fires cannot be stopped. We try and try and try, and it just goes. Imagine if we lived that out. Imagine what it would look like, because it can happen. I believe it can happen. I trust God that it can happen. And the amazing thing is, it happens through unschooled, ordinary people like us. And when we're on fire for Jesus, the gospel is not stopped and cannot be stopped. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this story. These two guys, Peter and John, who uh, we got to hear about all of their issues as we followed them along with Jesus. And yet in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, when the story of the church is just getting started, we see them do, these ordinary, unschooled guys, 
some extraordinary things because of Jesus. Our lives are a story in which we have the opportunity to point people to the story that still has the power to make lame men walk again, to make those broken and busted up families come back together again, to beat that addiction that seems unbeatable again. That same Jesus is still working today. And when we, God, live that out as a church, if all of us walked out of here today and lived that out, God, you would do some amazing things. And I pray, God, that you would. I pray that we would be open to that, Lord. I pray that we would actually believe that, internalize it, and live it, God. And when we do, Lord, you will not be stopped. And we will see families, communities, counties, states transformed by Jesus Christ. God, may we see it in our lifetime, and I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.